Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the Mojave Desert, and it sure is a pretty night out there under the full moon. Well, it has been a weird summer, and now we are back on the radio. Welcome to the third season of Desert Oracle Radio. It might be the last season, too, because we probably aren't really going to have seasons any longer. Now, I was up in Elgo a couple of years ago in January at the Cowboy Poetry thing. Very exciting. And that Great Basin chill just gets in your bones. And the woman at the Western Wear store tells me, we've only got two seasons here. Too damn cold and too damn hot. We don't want to get too precious about these things. Let's just do the show every week. Maybe take a two-week unpaid vacation every couple of years that we live that long. The American dream. So we come down to the station here in Joshua Tree and do the show live now. Live and crackling through a radio as radio should be. A live broadcast in the beautiful darkness. You want to hear something poetic? Hear something poetic. The radio's on, feeling alright, cruising the strip on a Saturday night. Those lyrics were by David Berman, who left this world over the summer. And it turns out that David Berman was here in Joshua Tree for a while working on what would be his last record. Purple Mountain, it's called. It's good, but it's a little bit hard to listen to. Radio's on, feeling all right. That line I quoted is from a song called Honk If You're Lonely. That was by David Berman's band called The Silver Jews. It came out a little over 20 years ago, I believe, on the album called American Water. It was sort of a fake country song, or a real country song, I guess. Because in the 90s, there was this inexplicable fad. There were these terrible bumper stickers that encouraged other drivers to honk their car horns if they approved of your message. So if you like the Oakland Raiders or Pomeranians or Jesus or Leonard Skinnerd or Mescaline or Furbies or Transcendental Meditation, whatever the sticker said, whatever you liked enough to share with the wider world, Well, people would just pound on their car horns if they also like this thing. I guess until the bumper sticker was out of sight. Who would do that? Eventually, people got too scared to put that kind of bumper sticker on their cars because of road rage. Plus, bumper stickers are pretty dumb. You want to lay low, right? Don't advertise anything without knowing the demographic. And out on the interstate, the demographic is a great big question mark. 
You never know if the person behind you is crazy. I mean, real crazy, the killing kind. They might jump out at the stoplight by the saloon and might have a sledgehammer or probably six or seven guns. And what are you going to do about it? You can't just drive away because you're blocked by a couple of rental RVs that are covered in giant wraparound decals of Joshua Tree National Park landscapes which look especially weird when the RV is within that actual landscape. Honk if you love Joshua Tree. Go ahead if you're feeling weird out there on the road tonight. Uh, Friendly two to the horn, but do be careful. Sometimes out on Highway 62 in the middle of a hot day, you'll see some guy walking down the shoulder of the road with a guitar around his neck. And you know when you see somebody like that, you just cross the street or slip into an alley or whatever's available, jump in an RV that's waiting at the stoplight. Nobody who really knows how to play the guitar is walking around Joshua Tree with a guitar hanging off their neck. You know this in your heart. Nobody even has to tell you. Well, that David Berman song was called Honk If You're Lonely. That's a classic of a sort. And this program is on Friday nights, not Saturday nights. It's been Friday nights since 2017. It's a good time to be listening to the radio when you're cruising Highway 62 under a full moon. And now we got the whole hour, 10 to 11 p.m. The nearly witching hour, as they call it. Now you look at the news and you see a lot about phones and podcasts and Wi-Fi, but radio is a fantastic thing because these radio waves come from a mountaintop between here and 29 Palms. You can see the towers up there with the red light. And whether you're listening on your car radio or your portable radio out by the fire ring or on your phone... You are listening to radio waves converted back to sound, which is actual magic. It's an imperfect conversion with the signal picking up a little noise and static here and there, depending on where you are, which part of the high desert, whether you've got a hill between you and the broadcast towers, whether there's an electrical storm or a dust storm, whether some rats got up under the dash and chewed up the wires and caused a lot of trouble expensive damage. I like our native rats and ground squirrels and etc. as much as anybody. But you should always set a few gopher snakes loose under the hood every night just to be safe. About 25 years ago, in fact almost exactly 25 years ago, Something changed in the Mojave Desert. (laughs) 
There was something that had been brewing for quite a while since the late 1980s, but it took until 1994 for the California Desert Protection Act to become law. And if congressional bills don't sound all that exciting, this one was because it had a real impact in the high desert. We're about to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the California Desert Protection Act. This is what made Death Valley National Monument and Joshua Tree National Monument into what they are today, beloved national parks. And it created the beloved and mysterious and seldom visited Mojave National Preserve. It really put everything in place for the permanent protection of the Great Mojave Wilderness, now protected forever. This is now the second largest protected desert wilderness on planet Earth. From Sand to Snow National Monument through Joshua Tree National Park. Up to Mojave Trails National Monument, Amboy Crater, Historic Route 66, Mojave National Preserve, Death Valley National Park, all the way up into the Eastern Sierra and into the state of Nevada. On Saturday, October 5, just a few weekends from tonight, Desert Oracle Radio will be presenting a special edition of Campfire Stories at Amboy Crater and Mojave Trails National Monument. Campfire Stories with me, your host, Ken Lane, along with an Instagram meetup, whatever that is, followed by a star party with telescopes and somebody telling you which constellation is which. Trying to keep you from freaking out about the massive silent black triangle hovering over the haunted parking lot. It's going to be a lot of fun and probably pretty weird. And who knows, you just might get lucky. So come on out. The festivities start at 5 p.m. on Saturday, October 5. And it's just about an hour beyond 29 Palms. You just take Amboy Road through Wonder Valley, stop at the Palms for a few hours, and then follow the black top, and then turn left at the railroad tracks. A lot of people screw up here. They go right instead of left. You can see Amboy Crater rising up over the desert floor. That's the way you want to go. 
And right now you can go to desertoracle.com and click events. And October is already the most action-packed month we've had, including a secret performance coming up on October 19 in Joshua Tree. You have to message us on Instagram or something, and I'll tell you about it. I can't mention it on the radio. And on Halloween night, Thursday, October 31st, we are kicking off a new season of Campfire Stories at the Ace Hotel in Palm Springs. 7 p.m., free and open to all at the Fire Ring and the Commune Grotto. We did this last year, and I loved it because you can sit out under the stars and get a drink from the bar, stretch out on the lawn or the sofas they've got everywhere. Pumpkins all carved up into terrible things. It's just magical. And then we keep going with that. Once a month, always on Thursdays. Including the day after Christmas and the day after New Year's. When all the amateurs are out of the way. You're listening to Desert Oracle Radio. Give us a call with your weird stories. We are now seven days away from Raid Area 51. The electronic dance music portion has been relocated to the Las Vegas Convention Center. A pair of Dutch YouTubers became the first to be arrested for trying to get into Area 51 and see them aliens. For many years, the fencing around Area 51, the Groom Lake Complex, had signs about every hundred yards or so that said use of deadly force was authorized by the U.S. government should anyone attempt to intrude. The signs have been replaced by kinder, gentler signs warning of $1,000 fines and possibility of jail time. What Area 51 truly is, is part of Edwards Air Force Base. It forms the eastern end of the supersonic corridor over the Mojave Desert. Naval Weapons Station sits in the middle and millions of acres of Bureau of Land Management and other federal land connects these far-flung desert bases 
so that stealth bombers and new skunk works planes don't crash into suburbs. But in 1989, a strange new story came out of Las Vegas from a television reporter named George Knapp. And a witness who initially appeared with his voice distorted and his features darkened. Who claimed that he had worked on one part of the Groom Lake complex called S4. And that he was a physicist. And his job, part of a very small team, was backwards engineering flying saucers that had crashed on Earth. try this one more time. Desert Oracle Radio, you're on the air. Hi, Ken. I've got a story about some strange lights outside of the desert of uh, in Coolidge, Arizona. Coolidge, Arizona. Now, is that south of Phoenix? That's right. Yeah, it's about halfway between Phoenix and Tucson. Tell us a little bit about Coolidge. Is that a big town? No, Coolidge is a, is a small rural farming community. Uh, when I was growing up there in the 90s and early 2000s, the population was about 7,000 people altogether. Now tell us about these lights. Well... You know, there are some areas outside of Coolidge, um, like uh, Eloy comes to mind, where uh, I know the some testing out there. Um, so some uh, flares in the sky wasn't something that was um, uncommon to see in the area. Uh, but there was a span for about six weeks or so where, uh, you know, every few days, um, as the sun was setting, uh, there there were these series of lights that would pop up into the sky, typically four to five of them at a time. And unlike flares hanging in the air, these lights would shift and uh, disappear and show up in another place or, or move from like a completely horizontal uh, configuration uh, to, let's say, a 45-degree configuration with them all being in straight lines and then sometimes them just shooting straight up or straight out away from each other at speeds that I, I, I just don't think is uh, at least natural to, to what we understand here on Earth. Did you see any kind of structure or shape 
connecting these lights? They were, they were, they were so far from us, and if I had to guess, I would say probably 15 to 20 miles away from where we would view them. Um, but they did give off a sense by looking at the way that the colors of light shifted, almost as if they were spinning, and there were different colors about the orb. Um, so, but never able to see an actual craft of any, any type. So if these were 15 or 20 miles away, how large do you think the lights were for you to be able to see them at that distance? I mean, they, had, they would have had to have been uh, fairly substantial. You know, I would imagine at least, uh, you know, at least the size of a large aircraft, um, if, if not larger. They, they were certainly, uh, they were certainly uh, large enough for us to, uh, you know, to certainly stand out from the time that we ever saw them. Um, but certainly, nothing, nothing of uh, that, that we that we know of. How often did you see these lights, and did you have anyone with you? Yeah, so it was about a group of five or six of us. Uh, we were in our early 20s, uh, running out a, uh, an old uh, old abandoned doctor's office in Arizona, sitting on top of a two-story roof. And uh, out one, one, after, one evening when we saw it for the first time, and it just it stopped us in our tracks. And, you know, like you said, the, the span that this happened was probably about six weeks or so. Uh, and it didn't happen every night, uh, maybe every three or four nights. Uh, and then eventually, you know, we, we made it our kind of ritual to go out every evening to see what was happening with the lights. And, uh, yeah, it got to a point where they uh, just stopped appearing. Very strange. Well, stay with us for just a minute. We're going to do a short break, and I, I want to ask you what, if anything, these might have to do with the Phoenix lights. We'll be right back. We're back on Desert Oracle Radio. And on the line, we have a gentleman from Coolidge, Arizona, who has been seeing along with a number of college friends. What year was this? Can I ask that you were seeing these strange yeah, lights? This, this, yeah, this would have been, uh, let's see, this would have been 2004, the fall of 2004. All right, 2004. That's, uh, so that was about seven years after the famous Phoenix lights. Did you ever see those? That's right. I, I am fairly, being from Arizona, I am fairly familiar with, uh, with the Phoenix light. Um, I, unfortunately, I did not get to see them uh, firsthand, but certainly with the media coverage, uh, especially with uh, Fife Symington and his big reveal of the uh, quote-unquote alien that he had found, uh, you know, it definitely lays uh, in the lore of, uh, of Arizona history for sure. After thinking about these lights, and I suppose discussing them with, with your housemates there, what do you think you saw? 
Ken, you know, one, one thing uh, that I haven't spoken about uh, was uh, one of the people that were viewing these lights with me was uh, my girlfriend at the time, now wife. Uh, there, she lived about uh, half an hour away from Coolidge in a small town called Arizona City. Uh, and one night after us uh, viewing these lights, she was driving home and had, mm, I would say, an experience that is similar to what a lot of people have described of the Phoenix Lights with an actual formation passing overhead. Uh, she saw similar lights after us viewing lights that evening. Um, you know, she was driving down, uh, you know, as you can imagine in these smaller farming communities, very rural roads. Uh, so she was driving down a, a two-lane road between Coolidge and Arizona City, you know, no, no lights to speak of, no street lights. So as you can imagine, it's very dark out there and, and all you really have is the, the light of the moon. But uh, she saw a, an actual formation of a total of five lights. So it was almost in a what she would describe as a pyramid formation with three lights being at the bottom, two lights being towards the top of the pyramid, basically a pyramid without without the top on it. And those lights actually came towards her from a distance of she's guessing maybe about a mile or so and then and then hovered above her as she was driving above her car as she was driving about sixty miles an hour and then a bright light shining straight down on top of her car. And uh, she was she was so she was so shaken by it. She actually called me on the phone while this was happening. Uh, and ultimately, after um, maybe a mile or so, um, it uh, sped off in front of her and uh, and then shot up into the sky. Incredible. So a spotlight from the craft onto the car. About how high above the car did she think it was? Mate, she she estimates that it was maybe maybe fifty feet uh, above her at, at most. I would say thirty. That sounds terrifying. So, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it 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 was. It, it really. I I I still remember the phone call. Uh, getting that phone call, and she was absolutely terrified. Did she have any other experience with these craft or lights afterwards, or was this the end of the lights over the house? Well, you know, I, I'm trying to recollect now. It's, it's been a few years, but uh, I, I think we had seen the lights a few more times after that, but I, I do believe that her experience was towards the end of our, uh, you know, six five to six week experience with these lights have either of you seen anything strange since then no i i I can't oh uh yeah actually my my wife is uh is nodding her head yes she has uh oh yeah the lights uh in between uh san diego and uh Tucson on off of the eight. 
off of I-8. Although I don't know if those could be attributed to military flares, uh, but yeah. But no, not, not, nothing that extreme, Ken, for sure. And that is a wild story. I would love to hear more about that one. Unfortunately, we're almost at the, the end of our hour tonight. But, you know, we are going to do a special in a couple of weeks on mass sightings. And considering all that has happened in Arizona, Phoenix, and also down by the Goldwater bombing range, where there have been some incredibly strange reports that are definitely not flares... If you're around, we'd be happy to have you come back and tell us a little more about it. Absolutely. Thanks for thanks for taking my call, Ken. Oh, thanks very much. Thirty feet. Yes, <laughs> I know. Hundreds of these reports every year. Look at the National UFO Reporting Center website, newfork.org. And look at any southwestern state. It's kind of absurd. From Amboy to Zizix and across the Great Mojave Wilderness, this has been Desert Oracle Radio, and I'm your host, Ken Lane. Broadcast from Joshua Tree and on fine community radio stations on the West Coast through PRX, Public Radio Exchange. Soundscapes by Red, Blue, Black, Silver. Thanks to Cody Joseph for coming in. Late on a Friday and helping us figure out the system. Get the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Try telling Spotify, play Desert Oracle Radio. It'll do it. Same with Pandora, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. We've got three years of programs awaiting your ears. Please enjoy responsibly. guest in the studio next week is Terry Taylor Casillo and we're going to get right into the angels because Terry Taylor happens to be the best-selling author Terry Lynn Taylor and we're going to talk about angel consciousness which is wild stuff you know there's been a lot of time on this particular form of the spiritualist work dear old Aleister Crowley there's a lot to it is what I'm saying We'll be back next week, Friday, 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. You can stream the show from Z107.7FM.com, from their app, or from the TuneIn app. And we'll try to get the podcast up over the weekend, Monday at the latest. If you have something you want to put in the mail for us, it's P.O. Box 1735, Joshua Tree, California, 92252. Thanks for listening, and good night from the Voice of the Desert.